0: From your perspective, Chris, what are some things we can be doing to authentically create culture?
1: I think one of the most important things leaders can do is to show through their actions that they care. It doesn't mean lattes and ping pong tables and you know, beer, beer kegs. It really is that you care about people on an individual basis.
0: Welcome to the Ripple Leader Podcast with Chris Hutchinson. I'm your co-host, Seth Silvers, and every week on this show, I will sit down with Chris Hutchinson, founder and CEO of the Trebuchet Group, and have engaging conversations with one goal, to help you build clarity and confidence for leaders and teams. This season, we are hosting these conversations live on Fireside Chat, which means you can join us in the conversation. If you want to ask questions live, download Fireside Chat on your mobile device and tune in live to join the interview. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Ripple Leader podcast with Chris Hutchinson. I'm here as your co-host today. My name is Seth. Chris, how is your... It's Tuesday, but it feels like a Monday because it's the holiday. So how's your Monday-Tuesday kind of hybrid going?
1: Well, Monday-Tuesday hybrid is going pretty well. I'm um, speaking to you from a coolish hotel in hot Dallas, Texas. So not only was it a sort of a Monday morning, but at 4.30 this morning, my alarm failed to get me up, and my colleague uh, ringing the doorbell was what got me out of bed and le- leapt downstairs and got here.
0: <laughs> well, very nice. That uh, Sometimes that's the the way it goes. What do you? Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing in Dallas this week.
1: Well, this this week in Dallas, there's a thing called Great Game of Business, and they do an annual conference last year. It was uh, virtual. This one they're doing kind of combo. And this is about a bunch of people that gather together to figure out How do we help everyone understand how the business works? So in many cases, as owners or as people who share in the profits, we can work it together. So we we are rewarded together. And we also are able to boost each other's performance on behalf of whatever purpose we have. So I'm, I'm getting to do a session on essentially the five dysfunctions of a team, how that can make a tremendous difference if you choose to make your team more functional. You can. And it really is a shared win for everyone.
0: That's awesome. That sounds like it'll be a wonderful week and uh, it'll be interesting to see what you what you learn and kind of what you pick up along the way. So I'm looking forward to hearing more, more about that and uh, hope that it can cool down for you. But knowing that it's supposed to be very hot in Colorado this week, I'm guessing that Texas is uh, supposed to be hotter. Well, Chris, today we are <laughs> talking about how we can authentically create a culture uh, in times of stress and on your website, for your coaching firm, uh, which is the Trebuchet group. I was looking there earlier today at trebuchetgroup.com and you have this phrase on the homepage where it says building clarity and confidence for teams. And I think a huge piece of how to do that is how you handle stress as a team. Um, is there clarity? Is there confidence in times of stress? So today we're going to be talking about authentically creating culture in times of stress. If you're live here in the audience, um, you know, we're very excited to have some of you, uh, already here, see some familiar faces down there. We'd love to hear from you of what are you doing or what have you seen done in an organization to actually build culture into authentically build culture in a time of stress. But Chris is we're kind of waiting to hear from some of the audience on examples they've seen. What about you? What are some examples that come to mind when you think of authentically creating culture in times of stress?
1: Well, I, at one point, um, I guess personally with me, we had a, I was in part of Motorola and, um, we were, it was around, about 20 years ago, a little over and things were stressful, but not quite as stressful as they became on September 11th. And I, I can even get down to something as clear as, um, of course there was some pretty horrific, like what the heck is happening kind of stuff that morning on September 11th. And there was, uh, there, we, long story short, we basically built the routers that handled cable modems. So imagine 2,000 cable modems hooked to something. So, you you know, a lot of bandwidth. So we had every signal in the world practically pumped into our building. And it was in our demo room. And there were a lot of people that just sort of assembled informally around that demo room, watching the events unfold of September 11th. And there was really a sense of, you know, even though it was shock and disbelief of what was happening and the people that were, losing their lives and just horrific stuff there was also a sense of we're in this together and people just sort of stood in a semicircle and just kind of looked at each other and and thought you know we're there was sort of this unspoken thing like this is terrible and we're gonna be okay we're together and, and just that sort of happened maybe inadvertently but it was certainly authentic over the next several weeks where people would just kind of gathered together in the cafeteria and just sort of say how are you doing how are you and that became a, a hallmark of how we got through some other stressful times. So seeing a really stressful time, sometimes people naturally come up with things that actually will help each other when they're together.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good example of even just how some you know, some soft skills, some more human-to-human interaction can be some of the ways that culture is created you know, even with a title, like we put for today's show, authentically creating culture in times of stress, we tend to think of, okay, cool. What's the strategy? You know, what's the, what's the SOP? What's the process we can put into place when I'd imagine in that season for you and your team, it was really important just to stop and just ask, how are you doing? How do you, how do you see the difference between kind of, when it comes to culture creation, thinking about some of these more, you know, soft skills, some of these things that are more intangible, and that you know are harder to maybe pinpoint, versus okay, you know here's our here's our plan, here's our strategy for how to create culture that's you know bullet pointed and mm-hmm. this beautiful strategic plan. Like how do how do we wrap the tension around both of those things being necessary, but then there also being some tension between the two?
1: Well, that's a great point. I mean, a lot of people think sort of culture is something you sort of inoculate, and then it's good to go. Or, where culture without attention is kind of like that stuff—the leftovers you put in the back of the fridge. You know, eventually, there's going to be some authentic culture in there. It may not be what you want. So it's it's thinking about, I think, intentionally—not only authentically, but intentionally thinking: what do we want to encourage, and what do we want to discourage? Um, there's a great saying that says, "The behavior you get in an organization is that which you tolerate." And that's absolutely about culture is the things that are sort of subtly rewarded or included and things that are subtly or not so subtly like disincluded. I also think the authentic part is making sure that it's not just a small subset of people that are doing that influencing. It's really everybody on everybody. That what we're trying to do is build a culture that's stronger, more resilient, able to help us through tough times and at the same time push us a little bit. You know, it's not just a culture that, of sitting around on your couch. It's around, we are here to make a difference. What supports that? And essentially, and culture is everything that happens in an organization, um, whether you like it or not. And then, again, you can sort of encourage and discourage things, I think, to authentically create what you really want. And when you're in times of stress, the opportunities are very stark. They're just right out in front of you. What do you want to do when faced with this bad news? What do you want to do with um, something not so great has happened or we've lost a client or somebody's made a huge mistakes? What are you going to do?
0: Yeah, that's you proposed some interesting questions there uh, and uh, quite a few things that I'm chewing on. I want to go back to kind of your 9-11 story, though, were you in were you? in more of a leadership role at that time, or were you more of like a team member under leadership? I guess the reason I'm asking is I'm, I'm curious to, if you remember any of the things that were said to you by your leader, by your supervisor, Mandarin, I don't, I don't remember, I don't recall that you were previously the CEO of Motorola, so I'm guessing that you were <laughs> had some kind of supervisor or leader above you, but I'm curious yeah, to if you remember any of the interactions that you had with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, so this was, uh, yes, I wasn't the CEO of Motorola. That's Chris Galvin at the time. So there was a Chris there, but um, we actually, we were in a division of Motorola and it it actually was probably an exercise or, or an example of how not to create culture intentionally. Um, The short version is that there wasn't anybody who really rallied. I, I was in this like a, not a C level, but the next level down position as a director of quality. And so it had kind of tendrils into much of the organization. So I did have people come talk with me and we we shared some things. We couldn't really fully influence the culture, but by doing things differently, we definitely influenced in terms of being open. I opened my door up and said, hey, anybody want to talk about challenges they're having or anything? And I had people all across the organization that would come and knock on the door and poke their head in and say, well, I don't think quality has anything to do with this, but, you know, I'm struggling with this or I'm having a hard time with that. And that actually was for me when I started realizing that coaching would be a very helpful thing for me to use some of my strengths and help others. But um, I I think we missed an opportunity for somebody to stand up and say, this is what is really challenging about this. And here's what we're going to do about it. And the company floundered as a result. And we went from, I think it was 3000 employees to 20 in about 24 months. Not not twenty thousand twenty two zero, And there was a bunch of missteps along the way, some of which was, and again, example, um, I was asking the CEO to say, would you please go tell people that we're working on this? We're t- we, we don't have any new information. And uh, I think it's important for them to hear that. And he looked at me with a kind of a eyebrow up and he said, negligible information, Chris, there's nothing new in that. Why waste their time? And I said, well, I, I think it's because people are making up stories themselves. And if they don't hear from you, they're thinking you don't care. And he's like, I don't see that. And um, yeah, he he went on to something else after that job. I'll just say it that way.
0: Interesting. So 3,000 down to 20 employees over how, how, what was the span of time you said?
1: It was about two years.
0: About two years. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we could probably dissect that and look at all these things that should have, you know, all these things that went wrong. I'm more curious to what we can talk about today of what things we can do in our organizations and in our communities in times of stress um, to really build mm-hmm. this authentic culture so what we're I'm sure some examples will come from that, some from other you know examples in your career. from your perspective, Chris, what are some things we can be doing to authentically create culture?
1: I think one of the most important things leaders can do is to show. Through their actions that they care. It doesn't mean lattes and ping pong tables and you know beer, beer kegs. It really is that you care about people on an individual basis. And as somebody told me once, leadership is more caught than taught. So when people walk around and do that, I think people will follow. Up, you know, people will follow that example. If I show that I walk over to Peter and say, "Peter, how are you? What's happening in your life? You know, how's this intersecting with it?" What might we do together to help make that even more effective? You know, both the results we're getting and how it's working for you. I, I think that makes a tremendous difference, and that's really culture is just interactions with people. And so, if you start doing that, that can start shifting people to feel like I'm part of a team. We're we're here for each other, and we can make a difference. And in stressful times, that's needed more than ever. When I think a lot of this, you know, like I don't have time for that. I'm, I'm a, I've got a lot on my plate. I you know what if I talk to the person and they unload on me? I, I can't handle that. So well, you know what? We'll just kind of stay with the business mindset. I think that's a that's a challenge that you can really overcome together. i I am really curious if other people have heard times when somebody's done something maybe even fairly small that's kind of shifted the culture or reinforced it in a certain way um, towards what you thought was even better for the organization.
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I- you just mentioned something very interesting of, uh, you know, culture being just interactions with people and, you know, it's, it's like those interactions with people, they are the building blocks of culture. I almost see that we like to look at culture as this big masterpiece of something that can be replicated, but, uh, in reality, it, every masterpiece starts with some stones. And I almost think of it as little, little Lego bricks, almost every, yeah. every conversation is these little Lego bricks that on top of each other end up building this masterpiece. Uh, we'd love to welcome w- welcome someone to the stage to hear their thoughts on this. I hope that I'm pronouncing your name right. I want to say Tej. Welcome to the stage. Is that how we say your name?
2: Hey, Seth. Thanks for for inviting me. Yes, Tej, actually. Just like Tej. turn the page. Tej, yes.
0: Awesome. Tej. Nice. Welcome to the stage. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on any questions or comments that you have around this this idea of how can we authentically create culture in times of stress?
2: Well, this is a really good topic because it's so direly needed this conversation especially in virtual times right because it's one thing it's hard enough to build a sustainable culture from an employee's perspective uh, not from the corporate perspective because i worked at two large banks for over 18 years and i know how difficult it is to build a employee-centric culture in a non-covid world now add to that this fracture of we don't go into offices We cannot check on our employees. We cannot check in with our partners, et cetera. So virtually, it's that much harder, which means there has to be a process in place. And it's all about process and people. Those two things go hand in hand, which means a process to do one-on-one. Literally, it sounds like a lot pre-COVID, but now a one-on-one 15-minute conversation. Every manager should do one of those every week for 15 minutes to not discuss metrics or goals, but discuss Mental wellness, not discuss it so much, but basically check it and say, what's your challenge last week? Anything I can help with and remove hurdles. Something so simple is so hard and uh, impossible to do with large organizations, but it starts with one leader in one division saying, this is how I'm going to do it. And I just want to throw my two cents into the ring of that because we deal with this. I'm in the investment banking world. We deal with the same thing. And we've started a 15 minute one-on-one, just personal one-on-one with all the employees so they can be heard. They can talk about what ails them. It doesn't have to be in business. It what ails them in life. How are they dealing with their child not going to school every day uh, versus being in the same living room as they are while they're doing a Zoom with us. So that's kind of what I want to throw in. I hope that makes some sense.
1: Oh, Tej, I totally agree. I mean, I think that's really that intimate personal connection that's about showing caring everything. That's so vital. I Um, I'm wondering if you, um, I have some ideas, you know, and some things that I've seen, but I'm wondering if there's anything like maybe one or two foundational questions maybe you've you've seen or heard that's made a difference to really help people open up safely and get us on, you know, working together.
2: That's actually a really good question. If I had to dilute it down to one or two, one of the questions I personally Mm -hmm. always ask anyone I'm mentoring and especially my direct reports, I've always said, is there anything that I can do for you as an individual, forget as a banker, as an MD, whatever your title is. And I'll literally email or I'll call them and say, Is there anything, me as a 24 year veteran in banking and a two time entrepreneur and all my losses in the lessons that I've done myself, is there anything I can offer you personally or professionally this week that might help make your life a little easier? And I know you meant, I'll, and I'll give them a little anecdote. I know you mentioned you were struggling presenting on Zoom with your kids around, maybe I'll give you a couple of tips. And when I open with a question and then an example, almost every time they go into a 20-minute dissertation about what their struggles are personally, which is more important than professionally. And if you take out their struggles personally, where you can, professionally, their life becomes easier. Hope that Does that make some sense?
1: Yeah, Teja, totally makes sense. I think the key is what you just said, is, is help them to get to the place where they can feel safe enough legitimately safe about saying what they're struggling about. Because I think a lot of times I, I like the way you open the question because I can hear the earnestness and the openness and the care in it. They may not even know what you can do because they have the curse of not, not knowing, right? You know what you could do, but they don't know that they could guess. But getting them in the place where they can say, yeah, here's some places I'm struggling. I've, I've opened it a little differently. I've usually said, hey, what sort of support are you finding around here that's working? And so they feel okay about sharing that. And then it's the next question is, you know, where's a place where it could be better? And so I'm not telling them to tell me what to do, although I I like your process of doing that because you can hear the earnestness in it. But they say, well, actually, this could be better. Okay, what's happening? And then let's jointly kind of talk about what's possible for them. They might just need some listening to. They might need something where I can, like you said, you can knock down a barrier. I
2: love that. Yeah, I will say the the being in a a purposeful listener. And this is one of my biggest struggles, not just listening to solve their problem, but listening for what's not being said. And their struggles like in between us talking about a deal, they mentioned, I noticed they were struggling with kids in the background, for example, or I remember uh, one of my employees, she said um, something like, I'm not as tenacious in face-to-face meetings anymore because i'm comfortable in my living room now i actually prefer that so i'll write these little notes down and when you bring that back to them on the one-on-one and say how's it going that's just empathy right that's just basic empathy that we forget to we're human they're human speak from that perspective the rest of it kind of works itself out and don't get me wrong this took me 11 years to trial and error and realize this works so
1: uh that's a fantastic example especially so what really I think by by writing it down that was empathetic that you came back but I think deep down that says I matter I matter enough so somebody's busy as you would take the time to write something down think about it bring it back to me and say how are you that is the kind of thing that can that is a that's a cultural piece that if everybody did that imagine what your company could be a standard even though it's not formally written down anywhere I don't think probably or documented or you don't do it in triplicate um, I think that's a great example. Thanks.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. And yeah, and that's the key is we have our policies and procedures and protocol. The difference between a good leader and a great leader, we, we, we called it, um, we just came up with it. It's called the like, cur- I think it was like empathetic courage, or some a courage to do something above and beyond because it's not in our bylaws. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do it because we're all human, so um, yeah, good discussion, man. This is awesome. And uh, I love what you said so far, Chris and Seth, I appreciate you pulling me up. This was a really good discussion.
0: Yeah, well, Tash, thank you so much for, for joining. And, and I really appreciate that you know somebody in
1: investment banking is willing to do this kind of thing. It sort of gives me a little uh, rise in my heart. I, I shouldn't probably say that because I'm sure there's lots of great investment bankers, and yet that doesn't <laughs> tend to roll around in my you know gosh, let's think of some people who really help each other. Um, yeah. So, thanks
0: for that inspiration, Tej. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I had, I had a similar thought. Um, so, so Chris, we've been talking a lot about the people side of things, and one thing I've noticed, I'd love for you to kind of help me help me dissect is, in times of stress, I tend my my default is actually to go to. Processes. My default is, you know, whether it's personal stress and I started thinking, okay, what can I do? What activities can I do to fix this? Um, you know, maybe I realize, okay, I need to, you know, I need to go exercise and I need to go to the office and have, you know, three or four hours of really focused work to fix this problem. Or if it's you know longer term stress, we tend to you know I think in in business a lot of times we go towards process and efficiency. Okay, you know things are really really tight right now, so where can we cut costs? What processes can we refine? We I think our natural default, or at least mine is, is to go towards the processes. But what I've been hearing today from you and from you know Tej, and just as we've been thinking about this, is that in times of stress, culture is built by going towards going to the people, help me to dissect like what, you know, is that a, are both of those things necessary is, is one or the other, the answer, like, is this a insecurity of mine or is this a, you know, a, an asset of mine that like, I'm thinking about the, pro, excuse me, that I'm thinking about the processes as opposed to the people and. I don't know. I think I'm just thinking through that as I'm hearing this and realizing like, Oh, that's, I probably need to be thinking more about the people in times of stress.
1: Yeah. Seth, thanks for your vulnerability in that. Cause I think that's actually, I'm sure there's a lot of other people who feel the same way. Um, I don't know if I have the exact answer, but there's a story I've sort of been telling myself and adding to over the years as a, as a recovering engineer myself. Um, I think when stress hits, People want to go to something that's more um, known or more understood or or more reliable. And I think on one hand, we were talking about trust and being able to rely on somebody in a difficult time. And and you can say, yeah, I know that person will pull through for me. They'll they'll show up. Sometimes they can't, even if they want to. Versus um, to me, a lot of times, if there's a formula or a process or a procedure, it feels Like that's going to be more consistent and it's more knowable and I can figure out what it is and I can do it. You know, let's there's a lot of leaders who poke at the numbers when the numbers are the outcome of what we're doing together. They're not the they're not the way to influence it. It's just like, you know, what your speedometer say doesn't tell you how well your car is running or how well you're driving. even. So I think it's pretty normal. And I don't know that it's always a male characteristic. You and I are both male. So and kind of raised that way, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, to, hey, let's go solve the problem. Yeah, let's fix it. Yeah, what the, there's wiring and stuff. And many of these kind of problems are not fixable. They're not, in fact, many of the ones we're wrestling with as a society, they're not fixable problems. They might be manageable, and there's tensions involved. You know, the individual versus the group. Um, long-term versus short-term success. There's no way to, you know, as uh, I listened to Simon Sinek and Brene Brown talking, he, he talks about the infinite game, and there's, there's no winning at life, really. There's, you, can, you can be ahead or behind where you'd like to be. But ultimately, it's like, what do you decide the rules of the game are and how do you play it? It's kind of up to you. Um, but there's some people who believe that, well, I can just win this. And then when I get on the other side of that, everything will be fine. I'll fix this and everything will be fine. Yeah, sure, I can fix some things. And if it's going to be something that lasts and as part of our culture, it's going to be something that we work on together and that does involve people. And people are not predictable. People make mistakes. People don't follow processes all the time. And yet and without them, we have nothing in my mind. Unless maybe yeah. you have a fully automated factory, but still you gotta have people to go fix the darn thing. I, I don't know. How much does that help, Seth?
0: I think it helps because it, it helps me to see and to think about the aspect where I, I mean, I might be able to contribute to fixing a problem, but I'm not going to fix whatever problem there is that's stressing the organization or stressing the team out. I'm not going to be the one that solely fixes that problem. And so for me to go into fix it mode or process mode, or okay, we need to cut costs or cut people or do all this stuff for that to be my first reaction, that, that assumes that I have all of the tools at my disposal to be able to fix this fully. When in reality... The team is what moves an organization forward. The team is what moves a business forward. And so it's, when you're looking at that, you're like, okay, well, I don't, I know that if I'm being honest, I don't have all the answers. So rather than trying to find all the answers on my own real quick, why not go to the team where the team, your chances of finding the answers to navigate the stress are going to be much greater within a team. And so I think what you're saying kind of helps me to maybe realize a little bit that, uh, you know the the team is going to be what gets the organization through a time of stress and there being a culture and there being connection with that team is, is going to be what's important as opposed to kind of assuming, okay, I'm the leader. I got to fix this. So it's, it's refreshing. It's, it's weirdly refreshing when you kind of give up that desire to realize like, okay, I got to fix it all. When you realize one, you don't have to, and two it's not possible.
1: I also see that, you know, when I'm, I'm looking down the title, you know, Authentic Culture in Times of Stress, one of the beautiful things about times of stress for me is that it shows your limits. It shows me, oh, excuse me. It shows me my limits. I get to a certain point. I'm like, I, I can't fix that. I can't influence that. I can't do that. And so then now I'm faced with a choice. Do I continue down the road of um, trying to have more control and kind of pulling things in, which frequently happens for leaders? Or it's just put something where I open it up and say, you know what, we're going to succeed if we succeed together. Here's, what's really happening. Here's, here's what's happening in our business. And this is what I thought we should do. And here's how I think it could influence things. What do you think? How how could we make this better? Like what, what parts could you do? Or maybe I'm not even on the right track. And by doing that, I believe it, it strengthens our, our culture together, if not the rugged individualist, but what can we do together? Not not in it, not a soft fuzzy, you know, hold hands and hug kind of thing. It's like we are better together and we can, you know, if we create this together, we'll own it together and we can make it happen. It's not about Chris driving or Seth driving. It's about us together doing that. I just, I just see that's so important. It also takes a burden off me because again, like you said, oh, it's not up to me entirely. I mean, I need to act, I need to ask questions and I need to care, but I don't have to do everything because it's not even doable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think over this conversation, we've kind of came to this place where, you know, how do you authentically create culture in times of stress? Well, one, that's an answer that we're just, we're not going to have the solid answer today. Uh, We probably won't have it tomorrow. This is going to be an ongoing conversation, which is kind of our style here on the Ripple Leader Podcast, is we like to have conversations that we'll keep on having um, and that are fluid but i think what we're getting at is that that you have to look inward to towards your people you have to connect with the people that are also a part of your community and that's how that culture is developed i'd love to focus in kind of as we bring this show um kind of hit hit the tail end the last 10 15 minutes of this and talk about this word authentic authenticity or kind of how do we authentically create culture and um chris what does that word authenticity mean to you
1: definitely i would love love to have that Um, In terms of I I think some of this is around, you know, you can have authentically people be jerks and and there's definitely some precedence for somebody like, look, this is who I am. This is authentic. If you don't like it, suck it up. You know, I'm not advocating for that kind of authenticity. Um, And on the other end of that would be on the spectrum would be the inauthentic where I don't live this at all. It's completely fake, Um, but I think we should do it. So I'm going to try to make it look like I'm doing it. I think authentic is in the middle where it's what's serving the organization that feels real for me, can be real for you, and and together we can create something that we go, you know, that's who we are. That's that's what we do because that's who we are. And and that I think can make a big difference. I definitely want to hear from Stephanie and Evan here what sort yeah. of things you know they're thinking, but I'll turn it over to you, Seth.
0: Great. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to start this conversation. You both came on stage. At almost the exact time, but Evan was a millisecond before. So Evan Herman, welcome to the stage uh, and uh, welcome to the Ripple Leader podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts or any questions that you have about this idea of how do we authentically create culture in times of stress?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think when it comes to creating culture at the end of the day, you know, there's are you the leader? Are you the employee? Wherever you're at in in that spot, also really determines the mindset that you have. And I tend to look at things from a leadership perspective. And so, for me and and my podcast, you know, Seth, you know, Ronier, who has been an amazing assistant, who I had to recently let go, not based off of anything she's doing, but because of struggling times for my family as we're getting ready to have another kid and more finances and stuff like that. And so one of the things that i project is like, what, what do I, if I was her, what would I want from me in this situation? Would she want just a, a, you know, being dropped out of the blue, would she want a two week notice? Like I try to put myself in the other person's perspective and then say, okay, what would they want from me in this situation? And then if I can give that to them and it's right and it's fair, then I try to go about helping other individuals in that way as well. And then if you're from her mindset or an employee mindset, recognizing the culture that the company is trying to create and then sticking to that culture, holding yourself accountable to that culture, and then just being the best example of that not only to the customers, but even to the other employees because iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so that will rub off on other people that you're around during times of stress and pressure. You know, the definition of character is a part of how one endures stress and pressure in hard times. So it's what kind of character you have in those moments as well.
0: That's great, Evan. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think that's a great perspective of really diving into the putting yourself in the other person's shoes, putting yourself in the shoes of somebody else, uh, when in thinking about how, how are they maybe going through this? Not just how is this situation stressful for me or how is this hard for me, but what are they going through as well? Uh, Chris, any kind of comments or thoughts on, on Evan's response before we move on? I think that
1: I really like the, the idea of, you know, what would the other thing, and I think part of the challenge that that we're all as leaders asked to do is, while that's a great starting question, how do we continue it by finding out really what people would want? I've, I've had some really classic examples of, I mean, the one that jumps out to me is a guy who really cared about his people a lot, and um, I was one of his people, and he basically took, he gave everybody tickets to opera and a hundred dollar plate you know, a certificate for a $100 plate a person, you know, two person dinner. And that's what he loved to do. He loved to eat and he loved opera. And he just thought it was the best gift in the world. And frankly, a lot of people like I got to hire a babysitter. I'm not a big fan of opera. They felt obligated. So if he thought about what other people do just for a couple of minutes, I think he would have said, huh, they tend not to do the things that I like. What would they like? And so I really appreciate Evan saying, think about what that other person, what would they need? What would they like as uh, a good way? And maybe even just going out and asking them, hey, you know, uh, my culture is to do opera, your culture, like what would do you do for fun? Like, what do you like? And then trying to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, whether you come from a you know religious background and have heard of the something called the golden rule or not, it seems like in every society people think about do unto others as you would have them do unto you and thinking about that principle of what are other people on your team? What are other people in your organization? What are they feeling? What are they thinking? What are they going through? Uh, in this time. It's not just, okay, what am I going through as a leader? Sure, you might be feeling more pressure because you might be feeling the responsibility a little bit more of trying to fix it. But what are what what are the members of our team going through? want to welcome back to the stage, Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie, welcome back to the Ripple Leader podcast. We're always grateful when you're here listening and when you're jumping in as well.
4: Thanks Hi. for having me. How are you, gentlemen?
1: Doing well, Stephanie. How are you? Doing wonderful.
4: I was going to wish Evan and his wife um, blessings with the soon arrival of their new child, but I think he left. So um, that's wonderful news. Um, So it's interesting just to back up just, just for a quick moment. And by the way, Seth, thank you for giving deference to Evan. He did, he was there before me and I appreciate that. Um, When we're talking about kind of that authenticity, it's so interesting. So many of your shows have really made me think and then rethink um, my approach to the teams I work with. And I think what I'm really noticing is that people are able to participate in this notion of creating culture in times, particularly in times of stress, when that authenticity, the underlying notion in that authenticity is that they can bring their whole selves to work. And by whole selves, I mean, whoever they are, in their in their real lives, whether the crossover is personal interprofessional whatever that looks like, but in some in some communities that I think sometimes are un, underrepresented or in some cases marginalized, when they feel confident and comfortable that they can bring their whole selves to work, and if they feel that they're in an environment where their whole selves are seen, I think they're able to participate in how can our culture look, not just in times of stress, but of course I think in general. And then how can we, how can we create a culture that is also inclusive? It's tricky. I think that we're in a, we're in a place right now in the world where I think corporations, businesses are recognizing the importance of honoring sort of diversity, inclusion, equity, but that also brings complexity with it. It's not a criticism. It's just, it's just a fact. And I think these are some of the things that I wrestle with in terms of how we how we do this. It's complicated. It's it's beautiful and it's important and it's complicated. And I'm wondering, I'm not sure. And I apologize. I was a little bit late to your show today. I don't have have you all had a conversation at all or talked about kind of what current future cultures look like in terms of incorporating that um, that complexity and how we do that with people bringing their whole selves to work.
1: Well, Stephanie, I, I don't think we talked about that yet, but I think it's a great time to bring it up in that whole self. And that's kind of what we're, we're leaning towards. I know that, to me, that golden rule is actually what the guy with the opera tickets did. He did unto others as they, he would like them to do unto him. And I think he upgraded that to what I've heard called the platinum rule of like, and that was what Evan was saying, is do unto others as they would like done unto them. And so really thinking about what that is and then realizing, at least from my capability, Standpoint is that I, I'm not that other person. So I need to be in openness to ask questions to find out what's working for them towards our aims. How do they feel they're contributing towards what our goals are? Um, there is a challenge, I think, in that I don't know the business or any organization can make anyone feel great. I really think it's a shared responsibility with the person to try to figure out how they're contributing, what they can do. And for people who have been marginalized or don't feel they have a voice, I think it's very incumbent on the leaders to figure out how do you reach to that person, reach out to them to really let them have a safe place to talk about that and say, you know, what would be great for you? What would be great for us? Um, I tend to go towards what we're trying to do together rather than deal, you know, fix the problem, because I think it brings out better things in people. Um, It it can look, I've had some criticism where people say, well, it looks like you're not trying to deal with a problem. You're just trying to move us past it. And that's fair criticism. I think we, we need to know, like I need to know how my behavior is showing up in our culture and how I'm caring and connecting and what my character looks like so that I can contribute to the larger whole. At the same time, I think that's important because that can pull us forward. In fact, I had a coach once tell me, it's like, you know, when everybody's a little bit uncomfortable, we're probably in the right place. I mean, if I personally aren't uncomfortable about something that's going towards what we need to do and I go, "Whoa, oh, that's risky and you know, I don't know if I can do that. It's not everybody just come to my vision and let's go. It's I'm contributing to this shared vision that we all own and create together, whether that's our goals or our culture or how we're going to work together. And I think that brings so much more strength and power together. So I don't know, Stephanie, is that what you're talking about or did it get close?
4: Chris, I very much so. And I, I love the point that you made. Um, I think it's important And it's funny, I I do think we have to have some, I suppose, what could be perceived as hard conversations around this. But Chris, I agree. It's um, we can focus on the reasons why um, certain people are here and certain people are there, but that doesn't move us to the ultimate goal of creating a culture that's positive and healthy and productive for all. Right. And so I love what you said relative to we can focus on this or we can focus on that. And if the focus is a positive culture, then let's come to the table and make that the focus. I sometimes worry, and I'm so happy you said this, I sometimes worry that sometimes our approach, and if we bring any preconceived notions to the table, or if we start to categorize people, that always worries me because I think it disrupts the process of creating a healthy, encompassing culture for everybody at the table so I actually appreciate what you just said. I think it was, um, I think that was really important. So as per usual, thank you, Seth, before I gently place myself back in the audience, I'd love to know your opinion on that.
0: Please, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i just realizing more and more that with this whole conversation and specifically with this word, like authenticity, authentically, it's, it seems like it's the piece of, no matter who it is on your team or in your organization, being able to show up as themselves, being able to show up with how they're struggling to the stress, to the challenge, to the pain that's going on and be able to feel comfortable being themselves in the midst of that and not feeling like they have to turn on some, you know, macho attitude or some fix it attitude, but recognizing, I think there's gonna be some pressures and some stresses in any organization or in any team. And it's just gonna affect some people differently. I think there's, we, we can all think of situations that have brought in the best of skills out of us and ones that have brought in the worst. And so when I think of creating an authentic culture, it's creating a space where, hey, we're going through this stressful time and Stephanie, you know what, you're, you're thriving in this time. And so we want to, you know, lean into how this is helping you to thrive. And Chris, you know, this seems to be hitting you from a different perspective. Um, and, you know, maybe this is causing you to encounter some challenges, some interpersonal challenges that you haven't faced yet. So let's figure out how we can help you through that. And I think people being able to show up in however, wherever they're at and feel like, okay, I'm going to be welcome. I'm going to be a part of the team and we're going to collectively move through this stress together. So I I think this is helpful for me to be thinking about with, with the teams that I'm a part of, but yeah, Stephanie, thanks for bringing that up. Cause I think that as things are progressing and changing in our culture, I think it's more important than ever that whether your team is going through a time of ease or a time of stress, I think it's more important than ever that people can feel like they can show up as themselves.
4: Chris and Seth, thank you again for a spectacular show and a really wonderful discussion. I so appreciate the two of you. Thank you for having me again, and I'll I'll, uh, put myself back in the audience. Thank you. Thanks, Stephanie.
1: Yeah, Stephanie, I appreciate what you're sharing. I think it's a pretty complex issue to deal with in 45 minutes of thinking about, well, what's my contribution to this culture? How can I authentically make it more towards what we all want? or at least the vast majority of us want and try to figure out, you know, if there's somebody who's like, Hey, I just want my job and don't leave, you know, let me just kind of do my thing. And I don't really care about you folks. And that's not your authentic culture. That person may not be in the right place. And it may be really tough to say, well, we actually care a little more. I think I've, I've shared before about people who, as one guy who stomped out of a, a two day retreat saying, look, I'm not anybody's babysitter. And really he just wanted to have his, he wanted to have a very narrow scope of what he had to be responsible for. His function, meet his goals, get his bonus. Mm-hmm. And the company wanted a lot more. They wanted a place where people were caring and connecting and showing up a character, um, asking what do others need for me and what can we do together so that we can sort of encourage each other to, to build higher, build better. And so, you know, it was, it's was the right thing for him to say, yep, not place for me. And the people that were left were able to really uh, rally together and say, you know what, not against this person at all, but this just really makes us very clear about what we're about, who we are, how we should show up. And I think when leaders do that culture shifts.
0: Absolutely. Chris, this has been valuable for for me. Uh, and I'm sure it has been for everybody listening, but it's always, it's always helpful when the conversations that we get to be a part of when they're applicable to things that we're actually going through. So, I think this has been really great. And to everybody that joined us live, thank you so much for jumping into the Ripple Leader podcast. We're so happy to have you here live. For those that are joining us um, on other podcasting platforms, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we will be having more conversations like this over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, talking about some topics of how, you know, how do leaders enable healthy struggle? I think we've really talked about that over the last couple of weeks, quite a bit of how a pretty essential piece of leadership is enabling struggle. So that's one of the topics we're going to have other topics that we're talking about over coming weeks in relation to how do you how do you build a great culture um, and how do you build clarity amongst your team? So Chris, this has been great. And I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to we'll have to dive into uh, some of the lessons you might learn from this conference you're at in Dallas.
1: Yeah. I hope all the folks that are in attendance now and are gonna, you know, they can come back and we can continue the conversation. I think it's more rich surprisingly, right? Uh, When other people are contributing their opinions to the perspective. So it's not just you and I, it's really the whole group.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we love that aspect of uh, being here on fireside and getting to hear from other people. So if you are not following Chris yet, uh, go ahead and follow Chris on fireside and you'll be notified when our new shows are scheduled. Chris, hope you have a wonderful rest of your trip.
1: Oh, thanks Seth. Uh, I hope I'll stay uh, cool enough to get back to Colorado here. There you go.
0: Awesome. Right. Sounds good. We'll I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Ripple Leader Podcast, where our goal is to help you build clarity and confidence for leaders and teams. Don't forget to join us live on Fireside Chat to get your questions answered each week. And if you want to get in touch with Chris and his team at the Trebuchet Group, head to trebuchetgroup.com. That is T-R-E-B-U-C-H-E-T group.com. We'll see you next time.